This episode of the Lunch Break Podcast is brought to you by the sales developers. They believe that outbound sales requires a consistent commitment to the process, and they understand the tedious and time-consuming task of sourcing, hiring, and onboarding new sales talent. Besides providing premium quality contact data, outbound prospecting services, and expert consulting to consistently fill your sales buckets, they have built the ultimate sales enablement tool, Uplevel. It lets you uplevel your skills by managing all of your playbooks and scripts in one place. Still writing your favorite opening lines on sticky notes? Are your training and guides in a hundred different folders? Do you wish you had a way to develop a playbook to actually enable your team? With Uplevel, you can easily do it all. Whether you're a rep or a leader, your job just got a whole lot easier. Start for free today and you can go to thesalesdevelopers.com backslash Uplevel. You are now tuned in to the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 40 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. My name is James Bodden, and today's guest is Matt McNamara. This episode is one of those episodes and conversations that leaves me feeling awesome about the future state of sales, because this conversation with Matt is so enlightening to hear a young sales professional like Matt and the attitude he has about things like coaching, things like getting better at what he does, taking his job seriously. And you'll see, or hear rather, that Matt is somebody that is humble. He knows what he needs to do to get better. He is engaged in becoming a true sales professional. And right now, he's a business development manager at Formcraft. He talks about his journey into sales, how his uh, influence from his father helped him really realize pretty early on that he wanted to get into sales. And then we talk about how he's used LinkedIn and YouTube to build a personal brand. Incredibly interesting conversation around that and really something that all sales professionals, whether you were one year in or 15 years in need to hear. So all all the way around, this episode is just filled with great value and I'm sure it'll leave you feeling awesome about the future state of sales with a young sales professional like Matt McNamara at the helm. So uh, if you don't have time to listen to the whole episode right now, I get it. I had Matt provide us with a snack break sales tip that you can check out right now and then head back to your desk. Take a listen. Yeah, so throughout your day, if you're faced with something that scares you, the three-second rule, count to three and just do it. If you're about to make a cold call, count to three, make the call. It's going to allow you to make that call without thinking about making the call. Does that make sense? Yep, rule of three. Got it. Rule of three. Count to three and just do it. You're not thinking about it. Just go and attack. Such a great sales tip from Matt McNamara. So if you got to get back to your desk – Tune in later, earmark this one for down the road or maybe on your way home. But if you're sticking with me, let's jump right into this absolutely fire episode with Matt McNamara, episode 40. Here we go. 
What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 40 of the Lunch Break Podcast. And today, I am fired up about my guest, Matt McNamara, because he is somebody that is fired up about the sales game. And I came across his content on LinkedIn, I don't know, several months ago, and, and just immediately kind of loved the way that he looked at the game, the way that he was uh, choosing to do his content and the ways that he was producing content. So for all of those reasons, Matt, just really excited to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. So look, I, I, I think the best thing for us to do is just to dive right into this thing. Matt, talk to us about how you got started in sales. Yes. My first ever job post-college was a business development role at a company called Univest Capital. So we were an equipment finance company and it was my job to make about a hundred cold calls every single day to vendors to help them sell more of their equipment. Through finance. Got it. So you, you just dove straight in to, to a hundred dial a day cold calling job. Now, was that uh, a, a conscious decision? Like after college, I'm going to go find that first sales job to get in the game. Yeah. So I actually interned there the summer prior. Awesome a conscious decision to get into sales. So my dad has been in sales his entire career and I had a pretty great life growing up because he did so well in sales. And I want to make sure that my kids have the same exact or similar life to what I had growing up. I know sales could give me that opportunity to do that. So that's why I jump right into sales and it's working out good so far. It's a lot yeah. Of fun. yeah, I love that. And, and I think it's always interesting to hear how people, uh, how they're childhood influences what they decide to do when they grow up because a lot of people, so I've heard both things. I've heard people like you who've had parents who are successful in sales and they've seen that blueprint and they know kind of the truth about sales. Like it's a, it's a great profession. It's, it's um, a way to, to really be able to provide a great life. Like you said, for your family and yourself. Uh, and then there's the other side uh, of people that I talked to whose parents like I, I interviewed one guy and he decided to major in sales and his parents flipped out, right? Like they oh, couldn't wow. believe that he would want to do that because there mm -hmm. is a, uh, for everybody that is um, pro sales, there's anti sales people. People hate sales people. Yeah. Right. And so to, sales, yeah. to, to, to have that, um, you know, that, that dichotomy, those differences, and still end up in sales. I think that's kind of the beautiful part about this game, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's a mixture of folks who kind of stumbled on this thing by accident and have found out that it's a great thing. And then there's people who have seen it done and know that it's a worthy profession and something to, to kind of aspire for and, and to really work hard at. So did you hop right into sales or how did it work for you? You know, for me, it was, I, Graduated from college in 2008. Okay. And so, you know, wonderful time to enter mm -hmm. the working world, right? Right <laughs> at the, you know, peak of the economic uh, yeah. crash, right? And so I identified really quickly that in the economic climate that I was in, the intern, I, I majored in uh, digital audio production. So I had some internships lined up after school and I was going to live at my mom's house and just kind of, you know, do figure things out for a year after college and um the internships dried up because you know, the economy went to shit and um 
you know, I had to kind of quickly pivot and figure some things out. And, and I also uh, didn't have the luxury of, of living at home anymore. So I started looking through jobs and the majority of jobs I saw were for salespeople, right? And mm -hmm. just kind of fell into it like a lot of people. So, um, and, and it took me a while to figure out that, hey, like this is actually something that if I invest time and effort into, that could be more than just the next two years mm -hmm. and just a way to get me through, right? And so I think that's really interesting for you because a lot of people fall into their first sales job making a hundred dials a day and are like, what the hell have I done to myself? Mm -hmm. This is horrible. How was that experience for you? Cause you knew what you were doing. You've made that conscious uh, effort, but I'm, I mean, that's still a grind. Right? Yeah, my, yeah. My dad set the expectations right off the bat that doing a hundred calls a day, there's a lot of days where most of the days, four out of five days are going to suck one day in there. That's going to be really good. Or there's going to be one call a day that's going to make all that prospecting, all that cold calling, all those hangups worth it. So just having realistic expectations about what I was getting myself into definitely helped set myself up to have a quick start in sales and, and stick with it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've, I loved about you is that I've seen you go back to, I think it was your high school, right? And talk yeah. to kids about sales. And yes. that's so important because you know, you had that knowledge already. You had, mm -hmm. you had that mentor in your dad where you could say like, hey, this is the way to go and this is what to expect. I mm -hmm. love that you, you haven't waited to kind of give back mm -hmm. and, and, and go back and talk to those uh, kids. So talk to me about that, man. So, you know, you're, you're getting into sales and, um, you know, you have this passion around it. What, what, what made you feel compelled to kind of go back to your high school and talk to those kids about that? I think sales is probably the funnest job you could have outside of playing a sport. So I grew up playing sports my entire life. And if it was my choice, I would be, you know, six foot eight playing basketball for the Philadelphia 76ers, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. And I think sales is the next closest thing to sports. And I just wanted to go back to my high school and give back and, and let them know how enjoyable it is to be a salesperson and kind of explain to them that, yeah, there is a stigma out there that, you know, everyone hates salespeople. But if you work hard and practice every single day, you can make a lot of money and have a lot of flexibility within your life. So uh, going back, giving back to, you know, the high school was one of the highlights of my year. And I'm pr uh, planning on going back next year as well. So. No, I think that's so important. And you brought up something that, you know, as I've gotten more into a leadership role, I've really seen the similarities between the sports world and the sales world. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, growing up, you, you were involved with sports. Lots of salespeople have that kind of background of being an athlete. So, you know, talk to us about how that mindset that you had growing up playing sports, um, regardless if you ever, you know, got to that six, eight, I personally, I feel your pain because I, <laughs> I have, my basketball game is well suited for somebody, you know, six, nine, you know, I've got a mean post-up game, but I'm five, eight yeah. so it sucks. Right. <laughs> uh, all, all of my moves are in the paint. Um, yeah. so, so I get that reality that you kind of have to deal with what nature's handed you. But so, Talk to us about how that athlete mindset helped you, um, you know, in your current role and, and, and getting into sales uh, and just kind of in general. Yeah. So I think the number one skill 
that I learned playing sports that translates really well in sales is being coachable. Mm. If you're not coachable, willing to learn, willing to make mistakes, willing to take risks, you're not going to be successful in sales. I have a coach, his name's John Klimsch, and he works out of California. When I came to Formcraft, you know, I had two years of sales experience, but I wasn't very good. But I've gained a lot of skills over the past 365 days just by being coachable on all of our calls and with my manager and with our other reps at Formcraft. If I was not coachable, there's no way I would be successful in sales. And I think that is the biggest skill set that I learned playing sports that translates into being a professional salesperson. God, that is, that is so important. And I think that's probably a trait that most people would gloss over. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's the competitive edge. Oh, well, it's the whatever. No, mm-hmm. it's totally the coachability. And I had John on the podcast a couple of episodes ago. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And, okay. and, and had no clue that you two oh, uh, yeah. knew each other or anything like that. And it, yeah, we're good friends. And it makes sense that you've been able to step your game up by working mm-hmm. with somebody like that. But, you know, I have to be honest with you, Matt. That is, that's kind of a rare thing for somebody mm-hmm. at your stage in your career, where you're at in your career to actively seek that out, to mm-hmm. seek that coaching out, um, especially because you probably, I mean, I'm guessing, and it's ba- I'm guessing based off of just kind of the natural charisma that you have, that you probably could get by on your natural ability. Mm-hmm. And then also growing up around sales, right? You have mm-hmm. a lot of kind of, um, environmental yeah. knowledge that goes mm-hmm. along with that. I feel like a lot of people in your situation would be like, shit, I'm just, you know, I may be not doing the best I c- can be, but I've got all this natural skill and I'll just kind of continue to do the, my thing. And I'm doing better than, you know, a lot of the other mm-hmm. reps that I work with, but um, talk to, I, I really am fascinated by the yeah. decision of, of hiring a coach and taking that next step because I know mm-hmm. those reps that have been in the game for 10 plus years that have never done Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I would say right now where I'm at, I'm three years into my sales career. I'm an amateur salesperson. I'm not a professional salesperson. So my YouTube channel is all about the journey to becoming a professional salesperson. And I'm chasing my dad right now. So my dad is one of the best salespeople that ever worked at Comcast business. He's some of the biggest deals in their company history. If I want to come anywhere close to him and get anywhere near him in terms of skill set. I knew I needed to have a coach and, you know, coach K John Clemson, he's one of the best sales coaches out there. His books are awesome. And I've been working with him for the past year and it's really leveled me up. I have a long way to go, but I plan to use him for the next you know, five, 10, 15 years, whatever it is, however long it takes to become a professional in this role. So yeah. athletes, they all have coaches. They all have trainers practice. If they didn't have a coach, if they didn't have a trainer and consistently work on their craft, someone else who is younger and hungrier is going to come up and take their spot. So yeah. See yeah. And you know, Matt, what you say, when, when you say what you're saying, it makes so much sense, mm-hmm. but it's amazing to me the amount of people that just don't follow it. Because if you, if you look at any professional athlete, any, you know, athlete that we idolize, they, they have multiple coaches. They have Mm -hmm. a coach for throwing a coach for this, a coach for that. And um, you know, one of my favorite things to watch now that, that um, keeps me focused on 
what I believe to be like kind of the right way to look at leadership. I love watching the behind the scenes of a season mm-hmm. with like the Cowboys or the Panthers where you get mm-hmm. to follow them through a season because you really do see that these, these guys that we see throughout uh, the year on ESPN making all these great plays and the spotlight, you really see how open they have to be to, you know, to criticism. Yeah. And like, and, you gotta and put your ego away. Yeah, you got to put the ego away and you have to have a short memory sometimes. And then you also have to have a long memory in other times. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, all of that deploy, you know, goes directly over to the sales game. And um, my, something that I've wondered as I've watched your journey, because you're, you're kind of a standout guy, man. I mean, I, I haven't run across many salespeople that are in their first three years that are looking at it like you're looking at it. And it's really setting, I mean, you, you're, you're probably already seeing the benefits of it, uh, yeah. um, you know, now, but it, it's, it's exponentially going to help out in the future. Um, how has the way that you decided to go on your journey affected the people you work with, like the other people on your team? I'm very interested in, in, in how yeah. that's gone. So one of our new hires, his, his name is Ruhan Bohr. He actually started a couple weeks ago. He started watching the videos a while back. So once he started working at Forum Credit a few weeks back, he wanted to hop in a couple of videos. So we got him in a couple of role play videos. But it's helped yeah, out. I've seen those. Yeah, I love those, dude. Yeah, yeah, they're a lot of fun to do. But it's helped out the company that I work at uh, just by getting meetings set up with prospects. Wow. And, you know, we've had a couple of brokers. So we work a lot with brokers in the Philadelphia area in helping their clients design and build out their future office space. So a lot of brokers would call my managing director and say, does that guy, Matt, you know, does he work at your company? He says, yeah. And, you know, we'll tell them that they watch the videos on a consistent basis every Tuesday, Thursday. So that's definitely helped out to build out the company brand because when they watch one of my videos, a lot of times they'll go to my LinkedIn. They'll see that I work at Formcraft. What does Formcraft do? Oh, you know what? Our office space project coming up next year. Let's sit down and talk with them to see if they might be able to help us out. So it's kind of helped in that way, kind of inorganically. Yeah. Organically. Yeah. Yeah. That's real social selling. Yeah. To, I mean, to me, um, and, and it's, it's interesting because um, that makes complete sense because if you, because it, the thing that I love about your content is it's, it's, it's the perfect blend of, documenting what you're doing, Mm -hmm. being honest and transparent about where you're at kind of as a professional, and then, you know, highlighting enough information about where you work and what you're doing that it can help you out on that side too. Exactly. The thing is, James, like no one wants to see a video about what Formcraft does. (laughs) No one cares what we do. You know, they care about a cold calling tip, how to handle an objection, how to close a sale. That's what my audience cares about. That's what your audience cares about. Yep. So every once in a while, let's say I do 20 videos around cold calling. I could throw in a video there about Formcraft and it would get watched and people yep. would appreciate it. Yep. So the thing that Gary Vee says, jab, 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 right hook. If you throw enough jabs, every once in a while, you could throw a right hook asking for something, whether it's to watch a video on Formcraft or fill out a webinar form, whatever it is. That's kind of how I see it. Because no one wants to see, you know, what we do at Formcraft. If I could just put little pieces in there in those videos. It definitely helps out. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think it's great because in your videos of you doing cold call role plays, I mean, you're, 
you're yeah. going over what you say on the phone, right? And so anybody, it, it can catch the ear of anybody who, oh shit, we're about to build out a new office. Mm -hmm. That's actually something we might need. You know, I think that's just such a, a genius way. John, uh, Josh Braun yeah. give, gives that advice all the time. Just mm -hmm. start recording your Zoom uh, yeah. conversations and put it on LinkedIn and bam, now you have a show. Congratulations. I think he calls his videos and his content his sales force. Yeah. Really what it is. Yeah. So sales force working for him. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's something that more and more people are getting kind of hip to and aware to. So, but you know, there is a difference. So there's, there's layers to what you're doing, right? So you're at work in your professional mm -hmm. role, you're, you're highly focused and you're, highly motivated, you're pulling in resources to, to make yourself better, you've identified these character traits that um, are important for growth, like coachability, just mm -hmm. huge, um, you know, lots of self-awareness about kind of where you're at. But then there's a decision that you've made to start making content on top of it all, right? Mm -hmm. On top of getting good at your job and mm -hmm. getting all this coaching and, and just trying to, you know, show up every day and be the best person you can be. That's enough for most people, Matt. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> where, where did the decision go? Like, I'm going to document this. And then, yeah. you know, your the quality of your content is, is, is great, right? I mean, it's yeah, not like you're doing a bunch of like iPhone videos. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you're going out into the street with, you know, Maddie yeah. on the street and, and <laughs> well-produced stuff. I like, I enjoy watching it. So mm. that requires an extra layer of work. Yeah. So just talk to us about this journey of creating content, man. I think it's super fascinating. Yeah. So it first started out when I first started at Formcraft, I was working on my cold call script and I was in the first two weeks and I was having some trouble getting any traction. So what I did is I simply, you know, took out my iPhone, recorded myself doing my cold call opening, put it on LinkedIn and I tagged, Anthony Inarino, Mark Hunter, Jeb Blunt, Mike Weinberg, all those guys. And it said, listen, can you help me out with my cold call script and framework? All of them either messaged me or commented on the post. The post kind of went, for me, it kind of went viral. Got like 10,000 views on the first video. Yeah, dude. Just by posting one video, I got a ton of help from a lot of salespeople and sales coaches and sales professionals. So I'm like, why don't I just, don't, I just do this like consistently, maybe a few times a week? and see how much help I could get. Then I started realizing, well, these videos are actually helping other people out as well. And then when I moved into my apartment in Philadelphia, my roommate, he shoots videos and he said, you know, Matt, you're getting a lot of traction just by, with your iPhone. Why don't we start doing this professionally with a few cameras? Now we have a whole set, you know, couple cameras, lights, all this stuff going on. And, you know, it's, it's kind of fun, man. It's like my side hustle and hobby. And, you know, I think for me, it's going to be fun to look back five, 10 years and see, you know, that's a couple of videos that I made and now look where I'm at. So that's yeah. kind of, see it. No, I love it. I love it because <clears throat> you're completely right. I mean, even now you could go back to that first video that you put yeah. on LinkedIn and probably, you know, roll your eyes or only <laughs> be able to get halfway through it. But yeah, that's, that's a really great kind of icing on the cake um, is, is to be able to go back and look at your journey. But Geez, uh, um, to, and we were talking about this before we hit record here, you know, LinkedIn is this place mm -hmm. where um, for a long time, I think it wasn't always very obvious how 
close that help was. Like mm-hmm. you're just one post away from being vulnerable, honest. And I mean, I think that's the other part. I think it's this, this is a very important thing that I think differentiates what you do between a lot of people that are maybe thinking like, oh, well, I mean, I've made posts and tagged people in it and nobody's responded. Why is that, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's probably because it's like self-serving or surface level. I mean, yeah, um, those guys, those, the people that you tagged are mm-hmm. going to respect somebody who's got enough guts to mm-hmm. put a video of themselves cold calling two weeks into a new role on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that was the difference, right? It wasn't, you didn't write a post that said, Hey, I'm having a hard time cold calling. Can mm-hmm. you please help and tag those people? Right. Yeah. You said, no, I'm going to show you what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, you got to be a, either incredibly busy or not the guy you're claiming to be. If you see somebody put themselves exactly. out like they're like that and don't yeah. offer one piece of advice. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. And vulnerability, I think, is a huge one, especially for me. So a few weeks back, I posted a video back in July or what month is it now? September. Back in July, I had my worst sales month ever. Just an awful sales month. So I posted a video on LinkedIn and YouTube about my bad sales month, four reasons why I went wrong and four things I was going to do in August to get back on track. That video did very, very well on LinkedIn and YouTube because people like vulnerability and now they're thinking or wanting to see, Matt, how did you do in August? Which was my best month so far. Really? You just have to post a video about that coming up. So Hell yeah. The vulnerability and, and just being authentic and real. I think that's what, um, I forget who, who you had on the show recently. Was it Mark? I forget. One of your recent episodes, he was talking about being authentic. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Man. Martin. Yeah. Martin. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, I mean spot on right and it resonates it cuts through you know it's like a different frequency Mm -hmm. when you're being vulnerable and transparent and i mean honestly it's um it's the easiest thing to do it's the easiest way to be right like Mm -hmm. just be super transparent about what's going on and i think an interesting thing about this is when you do something like that when you're open and say hey i just had the worst sales month i've ever had here are the fourth, you know, here's what I'm going to do to improve. You know, there's a, there's a social contract that you've now entered into. Oh yeah. And so I'll every day in August, yeah, yeah, you're like fucking going after it. Cause you know yeah. that, mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you're, you're gonna um, have an audience for that next update video. So, I mean, it, it works in so many different ways and that's why mm-hmm. it frustrates me when I hear people um, say, you know, specifically salespeople say, well, I'm not, I'm not building a personal brand because I'm afraid it would take away from what I need to do at work or I'm afraid that it would take time away. And it's like, uh-uh. It only really helps. Yeah. It only compounds. It only, and, mm-hmm. and it does it in ways that you don't even really always notice or think about. Um, I mean, look, I mean, even your, uh, your original intention of getting into making content was completely selfish. Like mm-hmm. I need help. I need yeah, help. Exactly. Right. And then yeah. it transforms into this thing where you say, whoa, okay, like this is actually helping other people. And I don't care uh, who you are. Once you realize that you have something of value that can help other people, it becomes mm-hmm. this. I mean, there's a reason that so many have a, so many people have a personal mission of helping other people mm-hmm. because once you get a taste of it, it's yeah. like this thing that you just want awesome. more of. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it takes that one message that you got after that video of like, Hey man, I had a rough month too, a couple of months back. Thank you so much for this. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's people who think that it's going to take up too much time to build a personal brand are also spending a few hours of their day on their fantasy football team, <laughs> you know, creating content at a networking event, whatever it is to build that personal brand. So that's be a big part too. Yeah. Great point, right? I mean, audit your time. Think about what you want. And Gary V is one of those guys who harps on that all the time. Like, hey, if that's what you want to do, fine. But don't mm-hmm. complain when you're yeah, not where Matt is at the end of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Because you were watching Netflix and picking, you know, at your fantasy draft. And Matt was over here cranking out the YouTube videos and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and continuous improvement, you know. And I think that's something that I wanted to ask you about. Yes. This mindset that you have of like, okay, I had my worst month. I'm going to identify what I did wrong and bounce back. Where does that come from? Is that just something innate? Have you always been like that? Yeah. The ability to kind of bounce back. Constant improvement. And like I said, I, I spoke about this before I'm chasing my dad. And if I don't continually improve and I'm just okay with being okay, my kids are not going to have the life that I had. And that's my end goal. Yeah. So, got to continually improve. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you can latch on to a mission like that and you have kind of a North star to follow, I mean the, um, but even still, I think a lot of people say that and mm-hmm. all of it sounds nice, but you know, you put, you, you put the rubber to the road when it matters. And I think it shows in, in the documentation of what you're doing and um, the things that we just kind of inherently can learn from you just mm-hmm. by watching your content and, um, you know, the role play videos you do. Uh, yeah. and, and the one thing that I love, and, and I really am making a formal request that it becomes some sort of normal series is the, write it down. the Maddie Mac on the street. Yes. That is, where did that idea come from? Cause I love that. That's like probably one of my most favorite series of all time on LinkedIn. Yeah, so that only lasted, I think, five episodes. It kind of got shut down by my company because we only have one digital marker <laughs> stretching her too thin. I would have to somehow try to shoot the video, be in the edit the video. <laughs> okay. So, so it was a resource thing. Yeah, it's a resource thing. So we're actually trying to bring that back right now. But the whole idea around the Maddie Mac on the beat was it was my goal in 2019 to try to be the mayor of Philadelphia. So whenever someone thinks of Philadelphia, they think of myself and my videos because all of our clients are in the Philadelphia area. So if we can highlight attractions around Philadelphia, like the cheesesteak video, and then somehow sprinkle in how it relates to Formcraft in a creative way, you know, I saw that as being a huge, you know, content creation piece for everybody. And we're going to try to get back into that in 2020 when we get more resources. But a lot of people love the, they were my favorite videos to do, the Maddie Mac on the beat. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, yeah, it was great. I loved it. And, and I love that, um, I love that the reason that it, it, it hasn't continued is just because you guys are stretching this poor digital marketer too thin. That's it. Oh, yeah. awesome content. And I love that your company has gotten behind it. That's, it's rare. I was at 
a company a couple years ago that every single thing I posted on LinkedIn or social media had to get approved mm. or it got denied or it got taken down. And this yeah. kind of just lets me do whatever I want. Now, if it involves forum craft, it has to get pre-approved, but the pre-approval process is an hour. It's very, very quick as long as they understand the mission of the video. Uh, but yeah, they, they allow me to post whatever I want on LinkedIn as long as it is appropriate and you're going to somehow help the company out. So I'm very fortunate to work in a place like that. Yeah. Well, and they're fortunate to have you and kudos to them for realizing that because there is, you know, there's one thing that I've realized, um, being at a company like the sales developers where there's several people who are here that have personal brands and actively contribute to LinkedIn is it's an invaluable channel. It is of business, of new business. It's an invaluable channel because it's high velocity. There's none of this discovery phase. It's like direct to, I already know who you guys are. I like what you're about. Where can we go? How can we get this done? Um, and, and smart companies are gonna continue to empower they're sharp salespeople that are building personal brands and just, you know, watch this channel get bigger and bigger and bigger. And now, what do you think, James, you think it's going to go away in, in one, two years, not go away, but do you think it's going to be harder to have an organic reach or what do you think about that? You know, I, it's been an interesting thing for me because I have put, you know, I've been on LinkedIn for solid contribution, you know, on a regular basis for about two years maybe okay. three years now. And I've seen it um, ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. um, I think right now we're at a kind of a high point, um, especially for folks in kind of like a uh, small to mid-sized following, mm -hmm. high engagement, right? Because I think I only have 5,500 followers, but mm -hmm. it's an engaged community, right? And so the, the content resonates and it carries mm -hmm. a lot farther than it has. It's a lot more powerful than a large audience. Yeah. Right. And yeah. people are, and you know, folks are starting to realize that, but I think what, what will be interesting is who knows how the, how the reach will go. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of uh, always been a little bit like the wind for me. Right. Mm -hmm. It's either at my back or against me, whatever. Um, because I'm always going to have that small set of people that are going to get value out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing it because I like to do it. So my little boy today uh, was talking about his YouTube channel, right? So he's 10 being on YouTube and being a YouTube person is like the thing for his age group. Now, all of his friends, they don't yeah. want to be athletes. They don't want to be this or that. They mm -hmm. want to be on YouTube. And so uh, I told him today, I was like, we need to get back into making videos, you know, like we need mm -hmm. to, if, if you're into that, we need to do it. And he was like, well, dad, yeah, but nobody's going to watch it. So what's the point? And I said, yeah. you know, that's not the reason, right? You don't, mm -hmm. and if you don't want to do it for any other reason than that, then we probably shouldn't do it. Let's just spend our time doing something else. Fine. Exactly. Right? Um, and, and I told him, I said, so I have this podcast, you know, about my podcast. I said, you know, the estimated audience size right now is a hundred people. And he was like, wow, that's a lot. And I said, mm -hmm. yeah, to, it is a lot to me. Yeah. It's a lot. And it's a lot more than I had before I started it. Cause I had zero. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, but you don't care. I don't think you care about how many listens you get. Not a bit, 
Not a bit. Yeah. And I also don't put any effort into it, right? Yeah. I, don't, I don't promote anywhere other than LinkedIn. I don't do any mm-hmm. SEO. I don't do any paid ads or anything yeah. like that. But, um, it's, but what's so great about that, and it's kind of similar to you, is it's the only thing pushing it forward is my passion for what I'm doing, and it gains organic momentum. Mm-hmm. It just slowly but surely you gain one or two people a week that latch on to it because they recognize that you're really just passionate about what you're doing. And mm-hmm. so I think what's going to happen with this personal branding channel is that the people that are doing it that are like you that are doing it out of a passion and they just love to do it, it's only going to get bigger for them. Mm-hmm. And just whatever the algorithm does or whether LinkedIn blows up or it's all on YouTube or wherever, you're always going to find that platform and that way to continue on right? Mm-hmm. The vine, the, the vine stars back in the day found a way to Instagram, right? And exactly continue to do it if they wanted to. So I think mm-hmm. um, it's about the intention. It's about what you are, are, are really wanting to get out of it. And um, I think it's going to explode for people like you because it, it'll just reach a point where it's like, okay, shit, like um, I'm really, and especially with the way that you're looking at it, right? Like I'm, I want to be the mayor of Philadelphia. I love mm-hmm. that that mindset. I think everybody in sales should have that mindset of being the most well-known person because by default, things are going to come your way that are positive for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about who knows or who you know. It's about who knows you. Mm-hmm. The more people that know you and what you do and how you might be able to serve them at some point down the road when what you do becomes a priority, easier your job is. So money, that's where the money is. That's where, that's where, you know, sales can be, uh, the toughest, shittiest paying job in the world or the mm-hmm. easiest well-paying job in the world. I had exactly. somebody tell me that once and it makes so much sense, right? Because the more mm-hmm. hard work you put in and the more you go through that um, on the flip end, on the other side of it, it just starts reaping some benefits that you probably could never mm-hmm. estimate. Um, look, I know we've, I could probably, we could probably talk for another two hours about this, Matt, but probably <laughs> <laughs> before we get too carried away, I want to make sure uh, for the folks that can't listen to the whole episode all at once, what is a, an actionable sales tip that a, a rep can use when they go back to their desk after they listen to the show? Yeah, so throughout your day, if you're faced with something that scares you, the three-second rule, count to three and just do it. If you're about to make a cold call, count to three, make the call. It's going to allow you to make that call without thinking about making the call. Does that make sense? Yep. Rule of three. Got it. Rule of three. Count to three and just do it. You're not thinking about it. Just go and attack. I love it. And I think that is probably some of the best advice, especially um, for the SDRs out there that, that, um, maybe want to hide behind some emails today mm-hmm. and don't want to make those calls three seconds. That's the rule. One, two, three, call. Boom. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. I love it. And, and I have to make sure that I ask you the same question that I ask everybody that comes on the lunch break podcast. Uh, Matt, where is your favorite place to eat lunch? Favorite place to eat lunch? Probably Chick-fil-A. Really? Probably Chick-fil-A. Word up, man. Very good. Not that expensive. Chick-fil-A. All day. But James, you know what your viewers should do or listeners should do? Uh, Pack lunch. They should pack lunch and then use that money to buy a sales coach. Mm. They should probably do. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, another actionable tip. Uh, you know, maybe treat yourself to Chick-fil-A once a month, but then the yeah. rest of the month you're bringing your, uh, you know, paper bag in that thing in order to, so you can call up Coach K and get your there sales you game right. That's it. <laughs> I love it, man. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think um, this has uh, been an awesome conversation and, and yeah. really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Awesome, man. So with that, I'm going to wrap up episode 40 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Speak to you guys soon.